This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. Hi, everyone. It is Scoop Podcast episode 134. We'll get to plenty on the Vikings. We got to a bunch on the Vikings on Monday, plus interviews with local draft prospects, Frank Ragnow, Chanhassen High School, and Jake Winicky, Maple Grove High School. So if you're into the NFL draft, be sure to check out episode 133. But we'll get to more on the Vikings coming up here in episode 134. We'll also get to some love for the sponsors of the scoop podcast but we start with twins general manager thad levine opening day is fast approaching what is it two weeks from tomorrow two weeks from thursday in baltimore against the orioles here is thad thad always appreciate your time is it hard to believe i mean where the heck did the winter go where did the spring go i mean opening day is what two weeks from tomorrow is that hard to believe it's remarkable it's been one of the most unique off seasons of my career and certainly one of the most spring trainings in which we've been spending a good deal of our time on the phone with agents uh, rather than necessarily the time you would normally spend with coaches, players, and minor league staffers. So uh, the whole offseason has had a different complexion, so the fact that the season's upon us is no shock. You know what? Spending all that time on the phone with those agents has paid off brilliantly, though, hasn't it? I I think we, we were fortuitous. I think it all started with the fact that we had ownership group who was extremely supportive of our decision-making. And I can't say enough about Jim Polad and the Polad family for supporting us through this process. Uh, we shared a vision with him at the outset of the offseason, but I, I, you know, I wouldn't, I'd be disingenuous to say that we had the thought that this offseason was go, would go quite like this. And then secondarily, I think between Rob Anthony, Derek Falvey and myself, we stayed in very close contact with the agents and, uh, that paid, that paid dividends at the end, and what was not lost on us is a really good sign for Twins fans is that there were a lot of agents out there who represented very quality players who had a strong interest in playing for the Minnesota Twins, and I think that was because they perceived that we have a chance to be very competitive in the near term, and, and that's very encouraging for all of us. Was that a large part of that vision you sold to Jim Polad, that you have this championship window that's wide open right now? You know, I think when, when Derek and I uh, got these opportunities after 2016, you you look at a team that lost 103 games, and we always thought there was more talent on the field than the record would indicate. Uh, but candidly, you know, I think when you see the team take the step that it took last year, uh, 85 wins, a playoff berth, uh, and then couple that with the fact that concurrently the Chicago White Sox, Detroit Tigers, and Kansas City Royals are taking a bit of a half-step backwards to take two forward. I think you got to accelerate your plan a little bit. So as much as you want to stay true to the vision you had when you when you put together a three- to four-year plan uh, when we came on board after 2016, uh, the dynamics have changed, and we've got to make adjustments. So the core tenants of that plan are still in place, uh, but not without some adjustments along the way. And part of that adjustment was what we pitched to, to Jim Polad and Dave St. Peter at the beginning of the offseason, and I think they were – on board with it and as evidenced by the support that they showed throughout the course of these signings. Take us through some of the dynamics of the acceleration of that plan. I mean, did things change as we went deeper into the offseason when you saw all the free agents still on the board? Or did you have that plan in place, you know, going back to, I guess, maybe the GM meetings in, what, mid-November? Well, you know, I think we had a, a very clear focus this offseason that we were aspirational of improving our, our pitching depth. Uh, and quality, both at the major league level and that next line of defense in the minor leagues. 
as we all know from watching the games last year, we went through 36 pitchers. We, we made it, set a, uh, a franchise record. You don't normally get to say those words and then follow it up by saying, but we went to the playoffs. Exactly. So I think we, we were very uh, attentive to trying to help at the big league level, but also uh, that group of pitchers. You know, We're going to go through somewhere between you know, 20 and 25 pitchers, injuries notwithstanding. And uh, we were trying to strengthen, as much as we were trying to strengthen the one through five in the starting rotation at the big league level, we were also trying to strengthen uh, you know, the 13 through 20 who's going to be sitting at the minor league level. So that was a clear focus for us this offseason. How it actually unfolded uh, was, I think, more reflective of the, the, the conversations, the communications, the relationships we had built, and quite frankly, the fact that some of these players were really desirous of convincing us that the right thing for us to do was to sign them because their their players wanted to wanted to play for the Minnesota Twins. 36 pitchers. Was it 16 or 17 starters? It, it was a stagging, staggering figure. We uh, we started self-medicating about halfway through the season. I mean, I can't even remember all the names. Like, I sort of remember, like, was it Adam Wilk? Was there a Melville? <laughs> like, it's hard. I'm serious, Dad. Like, it's hard to remember some of the guys you had starting some of those games last year. Like, even six or seven of those games, you just, you know, with all due respect, you had no chance going into those games. Like, if you can just win three, four, five extra games – you know, with a Lance Lynn now, with a Jake Odorizzi, guys that are durable, heck, I mean, that should jump you guys up to, you know, the upper 80s or into the 90s wins-wise. Well, and, and I think we're hopeful. You know, all those guys helped us win games last year, and, and you know, that was the, the, the magic of the 2017 season is with all the different names uh, that got a chance to contribute, uh, we were able to prevail and, and go to the playoffs. But, you know, you, you mentioned Lynn and you mentioned Odorizzi at the big league level, but... We're also very excited about that that next line of defense. You know, Adalberto Mejia got a chance to cut his teeth in the big leagues last year. We're looking at Tyler Duffy as a starter. We've got guys on the come like Aaron Sleggers and Dietrich Enns and, and Steven Gonsalves and Fernando Romero and Zach Littell, just to name a few. I mean, these are guys that we're excited about giving opportunities to, to, to come and pitch for us in the big leagues. Now, whether that's in 2018, I'm not sure. Uh, it could be 2019 and beyond, but we're – these guys are going to be ready when their names are called, and hopefully when they get a chance. As you mentioned, we'll, we'll have a heightened sense of confidence that we can win that night's game with that guy in the mound. On Duffy, is it more likely he starts the year in the starting rotation at AAA? We'll see. You know, I, I think he's still in competition right now, and you know, we know that he's able to pitch multiple innings out of the bullpen. We, we know he can do that. A couple of years ago, uh, he, had, he had a run as a starter for the Minnesota Twins, and I think a lot of the underlying metrics would say that that was a more successful season than maybe the ERA would, would indicate. So I think he, he's one of these uh, utility pitchers right now that's becoming so valuable in the game where he can really fit into any role. So yet to be determined what, what Paul and, and Garvin Olsen ultimately want to do on opening day. Uh, suffice to say, Tyler Duffy will have plenty of opportunity to contribute to the 2018 Minnesota Twins. On Alston, how impressive has he been to you so far? Well, you know, it's, 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 you, you kind of, I think, overlook how challenging it is to come to a new organization, mm-hmm. learn an entirely new group of pitchers, new coaching staff, new analytics and metrics, and do that all against the backdrop of never having been a major league pitching coach. So considering all those uh, atmospheric things that are, that are impacting him, I think he's doing a tremendous job. And I think... We're, what we hired him for is, I think, his, his best talent is relationship building. And I think he's gotten a chance to really start developing some relationships with our starting pitchers and our and our bullpen arms. And, you know, it's a great opportunity for him to have a crash course 
not only the guys who are going to help us in the big leagues to start the season, but guys who are going to help us throughout the course of the season to develop those relationships, and he's done an excellent job on that front. You brought up briefly the name Fernando Romero. Now, all the games are not on TV back here, so I'm just looking at box scores. But looking at those box scores, are the numbers as impressive as as they look? I mean, was he just lights out this spring? Well, for, for any of our fans who have gotten a chance to see Fernando pitch, the stuff is the stuff is really impressive. I think what's almost more impressive than the stuff is just the competitiveness on the mound. So, you know, he's in a big league spring training setting for the second year in a row, and for the second year in a row, he had never pitched above Double A when he set foot on the mound here in Major League Spring Training, and you wouldn't have known that if you watched him pitch. He pitches with uh, some a little a little extra panache than the, the rest of the crew. He he feels a sense of confidence out there. I can tell you, he's a guy each of the last two years when we've sent him down, uh, he's kind of giving you that eye, like, I'm ready to go right now if you call my name. Mm. And I, candidly, I don't doubt it. You know, one thing that Garvin's working very closely with Fernando on is, is the development of his changeup, which we think is a weapon that really elevates his repertoire. Uh, he's been able to really dominate with his fastball and his breaking ball. But if he's able to add that changeup, I think he has a chance to really rise to our system, be a real impact pitcher for us in the big leagues. On Lance Lynn, he'll be impactful right away. Is he ready to go? I mean, can he go that Baltimore series, or do you need to wait a series or two? You know, we're going to have to leave that up to to, to Garvin to see how he maps that out. You know, obviously we're not going to do anything short-sighted at the very outset of the season uh, that could cost us early on or in the middle of the season. Uh, One of the beauties of our schedule, which is also one of the peculiarities, is we we have opening day in Baltimore, then opening day in Pittsburgh, then opening day in Minnesota. And the way the schedule sets up is there's an off day after each of those games just mm-hmm. in case there's a, a rain delay or a rain issue. So we have a few extra built-in off days early in the season. So whether he technically pitches one of the first three games or the fourth or fifth, I don't ultimately know. But it feels as if it's, it's stacking up that he'll be able to get one of those first five starts. Uh, the benefit for us is we, make five, we play five games in seven days. So he'll get one extra chance to go through the rotation down here and, and build up his pitch count. How many guys are nicked up right now? You know, it's it's funny. I remember uh, talking to a uh, long-tenured uh, A.J. Przezinski, Minnesota Twins uh, stalwart A.J. Przezinski. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, opening day is the, day, the only day that I feel 100%. Every day after that, I feel something slightly less. And I, yeah. I'm guessing, to answer your question probably the most honestly, I guess most about everybody is, but... Uh, we've got a few. We've got a few minor injuries that that our guys are are working through right now. I think Tony Leo, his first run as our head trainer, is doing an excellent job of managing that process. Nothing that really concerns us now in terms of jeopardy for opening day. We're going to knock on wood. It's this time of spring training where you kind of unfortunately dread those calls from from the training room. Uh, fortunately, we haven't received too many of them just yet. How impressive has Logan Morrison been so far? Yes, he's a presence. When he, when he walks into the clubhouse, he's a physical presence. Uh, he's a verbal presence. He, he makes his, you know, you, you know he's in the room. He, he's got a, a lot of energy, enthusiasm, and, and a bit of swagger, which I think is, there's nothing wrong with that. I think those are types of things that can be very endearing for, for teams. Uh, on the field, he's done a great job. I think Paul's, you know, kind of mixed both he and Joe Maurer in at first base with Kenneth Vargas. So he's gotten a chance to play the field and, uh, he's swinging the bat, and you know, as much as Lance Lynn yesterday didn't look like he's missed a beat on the mound, uh, neither has Logan Morrison in, in the batter's box. He's done done a good job, and one of his first uh, at bats, he hit a triple, slid into third base, and 
said he was going to have to change his swing angle because he didn't plan on hitting too many more triples for the rest <laughs> of the season. So he's he's bringing a little a little uh, personality to our clubhouse, and and I think he's fitting in quite well. I'd like to see that personality back on Twitter. He used to be so active, so great on Twitter. Can you get him to start tweeting again? I, I think that's uh, that's part of the transition he's made in his career, which he believes may be leading down the path of being. A, a bigger contributor on the field. So we're going to let him keep contributing on the field and in the clubhouse and maybe a little less in social media for us. Ah, shoot. I was hoping you'd say, yeah, I'm all over that. <laughs> the Thad Levine power of persuasion, convincing him to start tweeting again. But all right, that sounds okay. What about Jake Odorizzi? What impresses you about Jake so far? Uh, working like presentation. And this guy seems inflappable when you, when you talk to him. He's really... Uh, very grounded, very down to earth, uh, very intelligent presence, uh, and his preparation for the games seems pretty significant. So, you know, I think you'd expect nothing less from a guy who spent the last couple of years in the Tampa Bay Rays organization. It's a class organization uh, with tons of information that they're imparting upon their players. So he walks in the door with uh, a high baseball IQ. And what's more than that is I think he really understands how to implement a advanced scouting strategy and, and put it into play in the game. So I think this is going to be a guy that we're going to be really excited to see pitch every fifth day. Uh, really a guy who's going to stabilize the middle of our rotation. All right, so he's a lock for the 25-man roster. Realistically, how, how many jobs are open right now for that 25-man roster, that opening day roster? I think I think we've done we've done a lot of work. I think I, I do think you know you never you never know what the next uh, two weeks bring with regards to injuries and, and those sorts of things. So time time will tell. But but right now, you know, we, we have at least one position on the offensive side that's up for competition. Still have the backup catcher situation that we're we're trying to solidify and resolve. And and then we've got a spot or two in the bullpen that we're going to be talking about. So I think there are a handful of things that are still up in the air. And then I think a question that you know, really is best served for, for Paul and for Garvin is do we start the year with, with four starters and seven relievers, four starters and eight relievers, or five starters and seven relievers? Because the way the schedule sets up is we don't really need a fifth starter immediately right out of the chute as a function of all those off days. And so we have a little flexibility in how we configure the team on opening day. How much stock do you put into March numbers like the outfielders? Is Ryan is it Lamar? Is that how you pronounce his last yeah. name? Like he's putting up prodigious numbers, but do you put a lot of stock into March numbers? Only when they're good. Yeah. I, no, I'm just kidding. I, you know, I think they're. I, I think you make a lot of mistakes about over evaluating guys in in March. You know, just the guys are working on different things. Mm-hmm. It's just still, you know, in the context of the regular season, we would never really over evaluate 30 plate appearances or 10 innings pitched. Uh, we have a tendency to do that in spring training because we're watching the games every day. So. I'm a more attentive to talking to a guy like James Rousen about Ryan Lamar and find out, well, what are you seeing out there? Do you think it's sustainable? He, Ryan Lamar, to his credit, uh, spent the whole offseason making a bit of a swing change to his mechanics, and I think it's paying dividends right now. Pay dividends in winter ball, it's paying dividends right now. But I'm, I'm interested in hearing what Rudy Hernandez and, and James Rousen feel about, is this something that's sustainable? Uh, and you know, Jeff Pickler, do you think the defense can, can play at the big league level? And, and if those guys feel as if it can, that probably ultimately means more to me than necessarily a stat line over somewhere between 35 and 55 plate appearances. I suppose goofballs like me, too, overrate the opening day roster because you're constantly changing the roster. So, like, for example, if Ryan Lamar isn't with you guys in Baltimore two weeks from tomorrow, he could be here by April 15th for all we know. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I think that's one of the biggest challenges when you're in spring training, when you're talking to the players. Every single one of these guys is very fixated on the opening day roster. Uh, and, and they should be. You know, we appreciate that level of commitment and focus and competition. However, you know, what we try to tell them is the ultimate roster we all hope guys are on is the playoff roster. And, you know, secondarily would be the roster that's helping us win a division uh, down the stretch. Those are the rosters that we're going to be a lot more attentive to. I think people in our positions are much more aware of how many guys you need to get through the season. I think the player is on the, on the mindset of if I'm on the 25-man roster, then I have a chance to be up for the whole year. If, I, if I'm not, there's a chance I'm just mired in, in AA or AAA. We try to open their horizons. And while the competition most present here is to make the opening of roster, really the goal here is to contribute to the 2018 Minnesota Twins, and there'll be countless opportunities throughout the year to do just that. I think Jorge Polanco is sitting on a really good year. What about you? I think Jorge Polanco, uh, Kyle Gibson, Byron Buxton, to name three, were guys who uh, scuffled a little bit out of the gates last year and ended up being instrumental to us going to the playoffs. And uh, perhaps the one we talk about the least in that triumvirate is Jorge Polanco, but what he was able to accomplish down the stretch was significant. Uh, He was uh, for that, that stretch, the stretch when it was the most vital for us to win games, uh, he emerged as one of the, the best offensive shortstops in the game uh, over that period of time. Now, his, his challenge, of course, is to see if he can sustain that over a full season. He's looked good in spring training so far. You know, his continued focus is, is on the defensive side with Gene Glenn, and I give him a ton of credit for putting in the hours over there. Uh, but I think what the fans started to see in the second half of last year, this guy has a really good knack of bringing the barrel of the bat to the ball. And when he does, oftentimes some really fun, good things happen. So hopefully he can build off of last year's second half. Uh, a lot of mental strength in Jorge Polanco, and we talk about that when we talk about Byron Buxton and his turnaround, and I think Jorge deserves the same level of credit. We still looking at late April for Irvin Santana and what, like mid-May, late May, early June for Trevor May? So, so I'll, I'll attack the second one first. Uh, Trevor May we did ultimately put on the 60-day disabled list, which means he couldn't be activated to the end of May, and I think we, we did that as much uh, to safeguard ourselves from ourselves as anything because he's probably going to be ready sometime in the latter phases of May. But I think we figured uh, with the amount of time, effort he has put into the rehab process, we'd rather be a little bit more patient on the last tier than risk anything as a setback. So he, he's scheduled to come back end of May, beginning of June. And Urban Santana is doing well. You know, the uh, the timetable on him, I think we always felt it was it was going to be late April, early May, and, and we'll see how that ultimately plays out. But similarly, with some of the, the, the moves we've been able to make here later, I think we're allowed to be a little bit more patient even with him. Ideally, we get him in the rotation as soon as possible. Uh, but that being said, I think we've got some guys who can really shoulder the load in the interim, such that when he comes back, he's as close to 100% as possible. That That's going to be our focus. Levy, after two more, how does Phil Hughes fit in? Phil Hughes has been pitching well, and I think what's really encouraging is, is just his own commentary about how he feels. And I think you don't realize how much you may have been limited until you pitch pain-free. And he is pitching without restriction now. And his comments after every start is just how good he's feeling and how much better he felt than even the last start. So we saw him pitch against the Yankees here a couple nights ago. Uh, they had a lot of their A-level guys in that in that game, and he fought uh, for four innings against them. And I think that's that's a great test for him. 
Uh, he's a guy that, you know, we look at, we, we talk about the free agents we acquired this offseason. We talk about uh, the return of Jake, uh, the trader Jake Odorizzi. But I think we add on to that. We almost view uh, Phil Hughes as a bit of a free agent acquisition, a guy who was limited in what he was able to deliver last year to, due to uh, injury. Uh, he's now ready to go full go. And then the other guy, obviously, we're getting back is Miguel Sano, which is extremely exciting for this lineup. So, those two guys we almost view as additions on top of what we had uh, last year that were the you know kind of second half playoff team that we had built. On Sano, is there any level of annoyance that it's taking Major League Baseball forever, whether whether they decide to discipline him or not? Like at this point, make a decision. Well, you know, I I, I think our view of this is they're clearly committed to getting this right, and I, I don't think there's really a time frame on doing just that. So. I think we're very supportive of the process. We'll, we'll abide by whatever the rulings are. And, you know, I think if any one of us was involved in something of this nature, you'd want to make sure that the process was as thorough as possible. And I'm sure they're working through this as quickly as they can. Uh, but if there's additional information that they need to glean before they have a ruling, I'm, I'm glad that they're spending the time now in doing that. I mean, isn't the comeback, though, that there should be some sort of timeline that they can't let you know on March 27th, for example, if he has to miss a few games? That would be unfair, in my opinion. Uh, well, you know, I, I think all that we can control right now is getting Miguel ready for the season. And I will say this about Miguel is he is he has taken what was in his control and done a fabulous job. I mean, for the fans who have gotten to see him down here, I'll, I, I'll tell you what you've already seen. But the fans back home, uh, he's running very well in the base pass. Today he had a check swing double down the right field mm, line. Nice. Where he really legged out a double. He's also uh, made a few of those signature Miguel Snow plays where he reads sprints in, bare hands the ball, and throws it across the diamond. So what he can control is getting ready for the regular season. Uh, he is doing every bit he can to do that, and he's looking terrific right now. So that's all we can control right now, and that's where our focus will be. Thad, always appreciate the time. We'll catch up soon. Thank you, Darren, for having me on. Much appreciation to Twins General Manager Thad Levine. All right, let's transition to the Vikings. But first, I took a brief break from free agent frenzy madness on Tuesday to head to the Mall of America to the Indochino showroom. Yes, I got fit for a suit. Those guys are fantastic. They know what they are doing. It is unbelievable. I mean, I wear suits for Channel 5 duties, but I had no idea all that entails going into the making of a suit. They have so many options that you can pick from. It was so much fun. Go to the website, Indochino.com, or you swing into the showroom, Mall of America, first floor. I parked in the east ramp. It's not that far. Once you walk in, it's right there. It's not real far from the rotunda, just down a little bit around the corner. Once you get in there, you can pick a customized suit. You can get a big-time discount. Any listener of the Scoop podcast gets a suit for just $379. That's a premium Indochino suit. For just $379, all you do is at the checkout time, you use the promo code SCOOP. So whether that's online, Indochino.com, or at the Mall of America store, use the promo code SCOOP. If you go to the store, they will ask you for a code. You give them the code SCOOP. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Alterations are included. Alterations don't cost you any extra. If you order online, shipping is free. Just Google Indochino Suits. You'll see the fantastic reviews. I'm telling you, I love the work that they do. I am so happy they're on board with the Scoop Podcast. I look forward to working with them 
for the near future, hopefully beyond the near future. It is Indochino at the Mall of America or online, Indochino.com. Go to them for a new suit. I just got back from the Kirk Cousins introductory news conference at the Twin Cities Orthopedic Center in Egan, although, heck, Mendota Heights is right there. West St. Paul isn't that far away. Invergrove Heights isn't that far away. But technically, the address is Egan. Anyway, I had a chance afterwards to catch up with Cousins' agent, Mike McCartney, his dad is Bill McCartney, the former Colorado head football coach, national champion Colorado football coach. Anyway, Mike said, he would not say it was the Jets, but he said there was a team that made a bigger offer. He told all teams on Monday, make your best offer. I don't want you coming back to me saying you can offer more. Now, it turns out some team did come back to him and offer more on Tuesday. But he said on Monday to a bunch of teams, the Broncos, others, the Vikings, obviously, make your best offer. The Vikings made the three-year $84 million offer with incentives. It can reach $90 million, although he has to win multiple Super Bowls to get to $90 million. Heck, if he wins multiple Super Bowls, the Vikings will give him $590 million, maybe $590 billion if he wins multiple Super Bowls. But anyway, to reach $90 million, he needs to win multiple Super Bowls. But anyway, I think I will take the agent at face value with his values And watching him talk to us, looking at him in the eye, I fully believe him that a team, and I'm pretty convinced it was the Jets, offered more money, maybe even significantly more money. But Kirk Cousins wants to play for a winner, likes the family environment here, likes the Midwest, likes everything about the Vikings. So he chose the Vikings. As for a plan B, if for some reason Cousins said, I'm going to New York or I'm going to Denver, I'd love to connect with John Elway, even though the Broncos can't pay me anywhere near what the Vikings and Jets can. If he had gone somewhere else, I am told by a team source that plan B was Case Keenum. Now, it wasn't Case Keenum at $25 million guaranteed like Denver gave him. They were going to try and convince Case to come back for a sweetheart deal. Now, certainly a raise over the $2 million he made last year. But the Vikings were not willing to come close to what the Broncos gave Keenum. But if they had swung and missed on Cousins, the idea was to try and convince Keenum to come back on a sweetheart deal. And they could have gone in a couple other directions free agency-wise. Certainly they had some interest in Trey Burton, but they could not match what the Bears were willing to give to Burton. But it never got to that point. They always felt very confident about landing Cousins. So I had a chance to talk to Kirk Cousins' agent, also talked to Kirk Cousins' dad. I'll play back that conversation In just a moment, I was in the back of a big media circle for when Rick Spielman talked to a bunch of us, but I did hear him tell us. I guess I was a part of that. I didn't ask the question, though. He was asked about interest in Sheldon Richardson. Spielman smiled and said, I have some work to do, then left, then left the media room, and he was off. The word is the Vikings are going to dinner on Thursday night with Sheldon Richardson. Now, Spielman was also on XM Sirius NFL Radio. He said they are actually dining with two free agents on Thursday night. Now, as I tape this at 6.15 on Thursday evening, this portion of Scoop Podcast episode 134, I have not heard who the second free agent is. I am working on that. Be sure to check my Twitter feed, KSTP at DWolfson. KSTP, if I hear it late Thursday or sometime Friday, I will certainly pass it along. But as I tape this, I don't know who the second guy is. The one guy for sure that we know, though, is Sheldon Richardson. The Vikings looking to upgrade at the three-technique position. Sheldon Richardson certainly would help them. The Vikings do have cap space. They have some maneuverability. The way they structured the Cousins contract, 
They have some room to do some things if they so choose. Also what they're trying to do. I'm told they have an offer out to Joe Berger. But Joe Berger, as we've talked about for over a year, is contemplating retirement. This time last year, he came close to retiring. The Vikings convinced him to come back. So I guess never say never. Maybe Berger does come back. But the fact that he contemplated retirement so much a year ago, I guess I would be surprised if he comes back. The Lions, according to NFL Network, have also made Berger an offer. I'm told the Vikings have an offer on the table for defensive tackle Shamar Steffen to return. I'm told the Vikings would like to keep Marcus Sherrills. I don't know if there's an offer on the table. I'm told the Vikings do have interest in retaining Terrence Newman, but I don't know yet if there's an offer on the table for Newman. I am also told the Vikings would like to keep kicker Kai Forbath, but as of Thursday early afternoon, the Vikings had not made him an offer. The Vikings have inquired about some cornerbacks, Bryce Callahan of the Bears, Ross Cockrell of the Giants, former Pittsburgh Steeler, although it doesn't sound like anything is really going on on the Cockrell front, possibly the Callahan front. We've talked about this going back a couple weeks, the Latavius Murray deadline is Friday, Friday, March 16th. I'll continue to say what I've been saying. I don't see Murray back at his current cap figure. So if Murray is back, it will be with a restructure. I do think Murray will be back. So I think in the end, we'll have some news on Friday that Latavius Murray has restructured his contract. But I guess there is a chance he might say no. If he says no, then I fully believe the Vikings would release him. I just don't see him back at the fifth highest running back cap number in 2018. The Vikings, what else do I have here? I'm looking at my notes. The Vikings have no interest in retaining Michael Floyd. The Vikings did have some interest in retaining former gopher Tremaine Brock, but he got a one-year deal from Denver for $4 million. I can promise you the Vikings were not willing to go near $4 million for Brock. The dates of the Vikings' top 30 draft visits, April 3rd and 4th. An Oklahoma wide receiver, whose name I didn't write down, is coming in, and a defensive lineman from Fort Hayes State is coming in. I mentioned him on the previous Scoop podcast. His name is escaping my mind as I ad lib this portion of the Scoop podcast, or I have a bunch of notes scribbled, but I did not scribble down their names. The Vikings had a scout at Wisconsin Pro Day earlier this week. That scout spent some extra time with former Hill Mary High School star Jack Sitchie. Jack also spent some additional time with the Eagles, and the Falcons, but add the Vikings to that list. So Sitchi spent extra time either the night before or after Pro Day with three teams, the Vikings, the Eagles, and the Falcons. All right, let's get to Don Cousins. Don Cousins resides in Orlando. He is Kirk Cousins' dad. I had a chance to catch up with him on Thursday afternoon. What kind of person are we getting in your son? I mean, we know what kind of player he is, but what kind of person are we getting? Well, I'm prejudiced because I'm his dad, um, but you're getting a person who is better as a person than he is as a football player. He's a young man that his mom and his dad are thrilled with in terms of his character, uh, who he is. As, I, as I've told uh, Rick, Rick and, uh, and Coach Zimmer and um, Mr. Wolf, um, he will represent them on and off the field, and he will give them everything he's got and then some. Uh, one thing you will not have to worry about is his passion, his commitment, his work ethic. Uh, he will be 100% in every day. And uh, that not only includes what he tries to do on the field, but I'm talking about what he eats, how he trains, how he recovers from games, how he mentally prepares for games, the film he watches. He will give it everything he's got. 
How thrilled are you that he finally has some long-term stability? Uh, I'm, I'm thrilled that he's a part of an organization that, from every indication I get, is a healthy, well-led organization. That was our number one priority. It was the number one thing that we looked for, that we uh, talked about, that we prayed about, was to be a part of an organization that we believe was well-led and was unified from top to bottom, uh, everyone heading in the, in the right direction uh, together. Uh, we do believe, as Kirk said uh, just a moment ago, uh, within organizations, no matter what you're leading, everything rises and falls on leadership. We believe this organization is well-led. So you were heavily involved. I mean, with you seeing we, I mean, you were along every step of the way? Um, I, yeah, uh, I, I think Kirk would tell you that I'm a, a confidant of his, and uh, we have a very good relationship. We've had a good relationship all of his life, and uh, we've kind of journeyed through this together. And um, I think he would, he would, he would tell you that... Uh, he says, Dad, a, a lot. What do you think, Dad? What do you think? What do you think? And we go back and forth. We have a lot of conversations. We talk several times a week. And um, I think he, he trusts my judgment, obviously, uh, my love for him, his mother's love for him. And uh, so, yeah, it, it really, it's, a, it's a family affair in that sense. I mean, did the bond even grow stronger when, when he was with you every step of the way when you overcame your health issues? Um, you know, it, that's true with, with uh, all three of our kids. Um, my, our daughter, uh, who's a doctor, is in her first year of a residency program. She was in medical school at Michigan State at the time when I was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, she got a leave of absence from school to travel with my wife and I for over a month. Uh, to help me discern uh, what at that time was a little confusing as far as my treatment. And, um, and, uh, and all three of our kids are a source of joy and pride. Maybe after this. Is it true that, that Kirk and, and Julie sometimes live in your basement? Uh, well, uh, yes. They've come back the last, uh, they come back in the month of July, basically. We run some football camps and things. And uh, yes, they finished our basement. And uh, yes, they've lived in our basement. <laughs> Don Cousins, Kirk Cousins' dad. He came across as incredibly genuine, a really nice man. I didn't get a chance to talk to Kirk Cousins' wife, Julie, or Kirk's mom, but they were both present as well, along with his infant son, Cooper. Skoll Marketing still keeps the podcast going as well. Skoll Marketing, online, skollmarketing.com. They are a business-to-business marketing agency. They want to make Google work for you. So if you're a small business owner, hack any sort of business owner. Let these guys help you out. These guys used to work for Google. You don't just work for Google by accident. So they know what they are doing. Let them help you make more money or money to begin with. Heck, call now to get a free 30-minute consultation. 612-787-SKULL. This costs you nothing. If you're a small business owner, any sort of business owner, why not pick their brain, see if they can help you? 612-787-SKULL or online. It is skullmarketing.com. They work with businesses in web development, pay-per-click advertising, social media management, and so many more areas. All right, let me get to the wolves. I created a bit of a you-know-what storm on Wednesday on my normal weekly Mackie and Judd show appearance. Sometimes it's Wednesday, sometimes it's Thursday, sometimes it's Fridays. Those guys are on 9 to 1 on 1500 ESPN. I join them every week. Sometimes I fill in for them. So I've been a big part of their show going back many, many years. Before that, I worked in radio here in town for KFAN for 13, 14 years. So I've worked in this media market for 21 years. I've worked for Channel 5, Channel 9, Channel 4, MLB Network, CBSSports.com. I covered the Vikings going back to the 09 season. I've done a lot. I'd like to think that I've built up some level of credibility with you, the listener, or you, the viewer, when it comes to Channel 5 and 45. 
So Mackie and Judd, as we often do, will throw out different talking points. Andrew Wiggins' name has come up often on their show. Phil is pretty hard on Andrew. I'm actually a defender of Andrew's, looking at him as just turning 23, averaged nearly 24 points a game last year. I just don't think you'd do that as a 22-year-old in this league and be called a bust. It is amazing to me. Now, social media isn't the right place to take a full temperature of this, but it is amazing to me on social media how many people think Andrew Wiggins is a bust. He is not a bust. He has gotten better this year on defense while adjusting to a completely new role. Now, here is where I create a bit of a you-know-what storm, a bleep storm, because Derek James, who does the Raised by Wolves podcast, a part of our podcast network, tweeted out three words of five minutes of what I said. I can't fault Derek. That's what Twitter is. It's 140 characters, I guess now. It's, what, 220 characters, whatever it might be. It's not like you have a lot of space. So he chose words where I said, and I did say it. He didn't misquote me. I did say that I hear that Andrew Wiggins has whispered to teammates that he's unsure about his role, that it's been a bit of an adjustment. You look at Chris Bosh in Miami, Kevin Love in Cleveland, any number of examples of guys adjusting to being the number three guy. I don't think there's much of a debate that in some order, Jimmy Butler is alpha dog or Carl Anthony Towns is alpha dog. Then the other guy is number two pecking order. So Andrew Wiggins at best is three. Heck, you could argue at times Jeff Teague is the third option, that Andrew Wiggins sometimes is the fourth option that it's been a bit of an adjustment. Andrew Wiggins was the guy last year. He got the ball more often than not in clutch situations. Remember last year, the Wolves played so many close games. It was Wiggins oftentimes with the ball at the end of the game. Now, he hit the game winner against Oklahoma City way earlier this season. Last year, he had the buzzer beater against Phoenix, but it has been an adjustment. His usage rate is down. Now, he leads the team in field goals, Attempted, but I would argue some of those field goals are coming at the end of shot clocks. Four, three, two, you have to jack up a shot. So, what I said was that I've heard from multiple independent sources going back now a number of weeks. This isn't just something that I've recently heard, and they asked me, and so I volunteered what I've been told. I'm not making this up. I'm not one to throw stuff up against the wall, hoping it sticks. Is it possible I was lied to? Sure. Journalism 101, from my standpoint, is. Why is this person lying to me? In this case, two independent sources that are very much tied in that have been good to me going back a number of years, independently again, told me that they've heard whispers that Wiggins has volunteered to some teammates that he's still trying to figure out his role. Also, part of what my job is when I'm on radio is to opine, is to provide opinion. I threw out the idea that I wonder this has not happened yet, but I do wonder if Wiggins through whenever he hires an agent or through somebody goes to the Wolves this summer to wonder aloud about his role and if there might be a better fit elsewhere. By no means has that happened. I did not report that happened. I don't know how some of the national media outlets framed it. I saw the Bleacher Report report. I didn't have time to go to the Big Lead or Yahoo. I know it's a talker up in Toronto. Heck, it was trending on Twitter. I had multiple people reach out to me to say, You're not only trending on Twitter locally, you're trending nationally. By no means did I mean to create a complete bleep storm, but I was asked a question. I volunteered the information I was given. Now, it's my understanding on Thursday that Tom Thibodeau was not real happy. He had to address the situation. Heck, I don't blame him. You know, heck, all of a sudden he has to answer these questions coming off two great victories. He's 
feeling on top of the world. You beat the Warriors. You beat the Wizards. Then you have to deal with this. I don't fault him. If he's got a problem with me, he's got my cell phone number. He can reach out to me. We can talk. Heck, I had a very nice heart-to-heart with David Kahn many years ago. He disagreed with something I was saying slash reporting. We talked it out. We hashed it out. I heard his point of view. I gave him my point of view. And I'll always say it is fully possible I am given terrible information. I can't tell you how many things I'm given that I don't run with because I only have it from one source, one point of view. In this case, going back a number of weeks, I have it from multiple people. And again, it's nothing that's creating any sort of riff in the locker room. Andrew Wiggins being a cancer, he's not that. Andrew Wiggins is a good teammate. He works hard. There's nothing to question about Andrew Wiggins. And I can't fault Wiggins for wondering about his role when his role was different, maybe even significantly different last year. Even with the field goal attempts this year, his role is different this year. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. We can debate how much different his role is this year, but it is different compared to last year. I can also tell you, since the report came out from Bleacher Report, they have 6.5 million followers on Twitter. So once they tagged me, it was off the charts, the amount of tweets I was getting. I've had multiple NBA people reach out to me. They weren't my original sources saying, yeah, we've heard some of the same things. I also had somebody I trust a ton say, no, it is not true. What you said isn't true. Hey, I still love you, respect you. I've known you for a long time. I'm just telling you, I have zero sense that that is true. And this person said, if it was true, Wiggins would have gone to Tibbs himself. And Wiggins has not gone to Tibbs. I can tell you that. Wiggins has not gone to Tibbs. Now, my understanding is Wiggins and Tibbs have talked about this story since it came out. I'm sure Wiggins is in a tough spot. What's he going to do now? Tell Tibbs, hey, I don't like my role as this team is pushing for a playoff spot as Wiggins' role is now evolving with, with Jimmy Butler out at least a few more weeks? No. So it's a little bit of kumbaya right now because things are going well and Wiggins is being used a bit differently with Jimmy Butler not on the floor. But I can just tell you, I've had multiple NBA people that I've known for a long time, way before Tom Thibodeau came to town. Heck, don't forget, I've known people in the NBA going back to my days working on the radio with Chad Hartman, the former voice of the Wolves, back to 1997. 1998. So you build up a Rolodex. You build up a lot of contacts. There's a lot of league people I know that you hear a lot of things. And I've had people reach out to me and say, hey, we've heard some of the same things. It's not any sort of distraction right now. So yeah, should the Wolves maybe be upset with me? I get that because it is now a distraction. But I need to remind everybody that I don't work for Timberwolves.com. I'm not a team broadcaster, so I don't get paid by the team. I'm not a cheerleader. That is not my job. My job is to the best of my ability, passing along what I hear. And I always, I'm telling you, I always ask myself, Journalism 101, why is this person lying to me? Paul McEnroe, one of the greatest journalists this country has produced in recent memory, former Star Tribune journalist, now lucky to call him a colleague here at Hubbard Broadcasting. He used to teach me at the University of Minnesota. I got taught by him and Chris Eisen. I still use a lot of those things that those guys taught me. So, hey, I've been lied to before. I'll be lied to again. But these guys, Mackie and Judd, asked me a question. I simply answered the question to the best of my knowledge. We'll see how everything plays out. If Tibbs wants to talk to me, he can call me. I was told that he questioned the character, quote, the character of the person who put the story out there when he addressed reporters on Thursday after practice in Washington, D.C. I actually had a Wolves employee 
uh, higher up with the Wolves reach out to me and tell me that. If Tibbs wants to question my character, I would just say 21 years, right? I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. He can always call me, too. I'd rather not have him call me out, not by name, but people know who it was. Just call me. Let's talk. We can talk it out. We won't always see eye to eye, but I respect him a ton. Trust me, you don't make it in the NBA as long as he has. You don't win as many games as he has as a head coach. You don't have so many coaches respect the you-know-what out of you, like Jeff Van Gundy. The list is lengthy, going back to all his time as an assistant coach. Doc Rivers and so on. He is incredibly accomplished. He is one hell of a coach. He is having success as the president of operations. Heck, he traded for a top-10 two-way player in Jimmy Butler. He is about to take the Wolves to the playoffs for the first time since the 03-04 season. Heck, they should build Tibbs a statue outside Target Center, put it right next to Sid Hartman's statue. So the man is amazing as a basketball coach. I'm just not a big fan, and I should get this audio firsthand or the quotes firsthand because I am hearing this secondhand from a higher-up Wolves employee, but I just don't like when somebody calls my character into question. It bugs me. Frankly, it absolutely bugs me. But hey, I'm sure they're bugged by the report getting out there, even though, again, it was talk radio fodder and I was passing along what I've been hearing but hey I should know as much as anyone when you work this long when you're on a major market radio station a major market TV station your words can be used at any moment there are so many different websites there are so many different Twitter profile pages people that capture stuff people that have tens 20 30 40 50 Twitter pages because they tweet from different handles they tweet from whatever their blog is I get all that whatever can generate clicks I understand all of that so I'm very cognizant of that I'm mindful of that But I'm telling you, I was merely asked a question. I passed along what I've been told with a little bit of opinion sprinkled in. I sure hope that opinion wasn't turned into this person is reporting this and that. I sure hope that's not the case because part of what I passed along was opinion. And again, if Tibbs wants to reach out to me, he knows how to track me down. A friendly reminder, too, that The Ringer put out a story in December and it had suggestions about some chemistry issues with the Wolves. So the idea that just because they are winning games and, hey, right now, yeah, it should be kumbaya after beating the Wizards and Warriors when not many people gave you much of a chance in those two games minus Jimmy Butler. But the idea that over the course of an 82-game season, everything is kumbaya, everything is fantastic, no, that is not the case. So I'm just saying this isn't the first time that feathers will be ruffled. It won't be the last time. But I just need to remind you, I don't work for the team. So my job is to not just be cheerleader guy. I pass along what I hear. Sometimes it may not be the most positive. All right, enough on that topic because I'm sure monologuing as I do on this podcast, I'm sure at times I was talking in a circle. On Jimmy Butler, I am told he is doing well with his rehab. He was recently in L.A., might even still be in L.A. rehabbing that knee. The idea is he will return at some point this season. Is it the end of the regular season? Or in the playoffs, it remains to be seen. But the idea is that Jimmy Butler, with that incredible work ethic, you know he's working his ass off. The idea is that Jimmy Butler will return this season. Also on the Wolves, I can't remember if I mentioned this on a recent podcast or not, so I'll mention it again. The Wolves have looked into all the travel they've done this year. We know as the what the easternmost Western Conference team, you're automatically going to travel a bunch. But they've also traveled a bunch 
on back-to-back situations. They've gone from Atlanta to Toronto back-to-back. They've gone from Portland to Utah, so losing an hour, you know, crossing over a time zone. So I know that they'd like to work with the league to avoid some of those back-to-back travel issues next year, that they've traveled more back-to-back miles, forget miles overall, which is number one, but also back-to-back miles than anyone else in the league. So I do know the Wolves have done some internal stuff about all the travel that they've had to deal with. I know, hey, they fly first class, private jets and all that, but it is still taxing on the body to arrive in a city at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., get minimal sleep. It is still impactful. So I know the Wolves are looking into that. All right, that does it for Scoop Podcast episode 134. Always appreciate you listening. Please support the sponsors of the Scoop Podcast, Indochino for a new suit, Indochino.com, or check out their showroom, Mall of America, first floor, not far from the East Parking Ramp, and Skoll Marketing online, SkollMarketing.com. They will help you grow your business. If you're a small business owner or any sort of business owner, utilize Skoll Marketing, SkollMarketing.com. Thanks for listening, everyone.